Welcome to A Handful of Hope, where we bring you heart-to-heart conversations with heart-centered people. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of A Handful of Hope. I'm so happy and grateful to have Andrew Oakes with us here today, who is a well-rounded stress coach with a genuine passion for helping people. He teaches and guides people by equipping them with unique systems for managing stress. Andrew is an expert in this field of study, not only because of his insatiable quest for acquiring more knowledge, but his firsthand experience defeating his own lifelong battle with stress, anxiety, and depression, which allowed him to reinvent his life back in 2014. The year he discovered and started building his philosophy, Sudden Comfort, by introspective trial and error method. Now he's here to teach you some of the concepts and techniques with you today. Andrew, welcome and thank you so much for being here today. What's up, man? I appreciate you having me. I'm excited to bring some value. Oh, likewise, man. I, I absolutely loved our first initial conversation, and it, it's taken us almost 30 minutes to get this one started because we've been chit-chatting so much that I, I'm so excited to share your wisdom with the world. And let's start first. I know we were talking offline how important it is to define stress. So we have a framework for operating where we're going to take this conversation today. So go ahead and start with that. What What are we defining stress as today? Okay, so... So whenever we experience stress, we don't exactly define it really well. It's just this stresses me out or that stresses me out. What's happening is inside of our mind, say our mind meets a discomfort, then it fills the body with stress energy. So I'll explain it like this. Imagine, say, for the last two weeks, unfortunately, there were no jobs to be had. You couldn't work at your job anymore. You had to dig ditches by hand, 16 hours a day. After two weeks, you come home, you are dog tired. You can barely like muster up the energy to walk up the stairs or open the shower curtain. You get in the shower, you turn on the water, ice cold water comes out and hits your skin. All of a sudden, you have the operating speed of a ninja. The same body that was just tired has the operating speed of a ninja to yank the shower head off and turn it away from your body. Or if you don't have one that removes, you duck underneath it. Or you jump out of the curtain, put the curtain in between you. You have these really fast reaction skills because cold water hits skin, brain meets discomfort, fills the body with stress energy. That stress energy is an emotion. Like you can feel it, like it's inside. Like love is an emotion. It's energy in motion. Energy in motion. Brain meets discomfort, fills body with stress energy. So you have the energy to remove the discomfort that is in your life. That's the whole purpose behind stress. Like That's what it's for. It was created for a reason. And see, it didn't come to hurt you. It came to help you. So we have to to understand that our brain doesn't understand it doesn't realize the difference between cold water hitting your skin or an alligator biting your leg. It has no idea. All it knows is I met a discomfort. I'm going to fill them full of energy and we don't use the energy. So while we're sitting in stress or while we're sitting in discomfort, say we're sitting around watching TV, our brain is me still feeling those discomforts. It's still meeting those discomforts. So our heart is just going crazy as if we were running from a cheetah for the last 50 miles. So it's important to understand discomfort, stress energy. That's the cycle. That's what stress is. So our brain is meeting discomfort. And I, 
maybe we can expand on that too, because I hear so many people say, gosh, I'm so stressed out about work. I'm so stressed out about what's on the news. I'm so stressed out about fill in the blank. And in that, applying the definition you just gave us, what I'm hearing is, is what they're really stressed out about is they are interpreting something as some sort of perceived discomfort. Absolutely. So, and, and we oftentimes feel as if stress is a pressure. We feel this pressure, the world coming down on us. And I'm going to explain this with a green balloon for the people that are listening. Every time, imagine a balloon. Every single time you meet a discomfort, imagine a little bit more air being pushed into that balloon. So, Jesse, tell me a couple of discomforts you might think of off the top of your head. Gosh, a couple of discomforts I might think of, like emotional ones or... Or even little ones. Say I bang my knee on the dresser. That's a discomfort. I'm going to put a little air in the balloon. Oh, yeah. Bang my knee on the dresser. I, I'm tired from getting up early to work out. I am wishing I had more energy when I work out. I feel like I'm not recovering as fast. I want to have a pit. I really want to sign up this. What's that? A little bit more air in the balloon, just for the people that are listening. A little bit more air. A little yeah, bit and more for everybody air. who's who's listening and not seeing this, I have to tell you two things. Number one, Andrew is the first guest to bring a prop on the epi- on this show in a hundred and some odd episodes. And two, the balloon now, just with those few things that I shared, is probably what halfway full, Andrew, almost halfway full. Yeah. So I would say another one is I really want to sign up this client I've been talking back and forth with, and. I wish it was warmer and the wind is bugging my allergies. Yeah. All right. So now the balloon, everybody that's not looking, the balloon is getting pretty full. The more the air that I push into this balloon, the more pressure that is being exerted on this balloon. So this, it feels like it's a pressure from the outside, but what's important is it's what's going on in the inside. It's the discomforts that are filling up in our lives. So we have a capacity. Everybody has a capacity. Imagine your bladder. Your bladder has a capacity. Some people can make an hour on a road trip and have to pee. Some people can make it eight hours. My dad's the ultimate champion, okay? I, 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 one day, maybe, I'm going to have a capacity like that. This guy is the king. So everybody has a capacity for discomfort, just like you have a capacity for urine. And what, what creates the discomfort in your life? Well, that's unique to you. That's, everybody's wanting to be unique. Well, that's your uniqueness. The co- discomforts that you face, say if I go like this and pull this balloon and I make this sound. All right, if I did that for a little while, a lot of you would probably eventually get annoyed by it. It would be a discomfort. Mm-hmm. But some people might be experiencing a discomfort right away. Maybe their annoying stepbrother would always make that sound right before they flicked them in the ear or something of that nature. We never know what experiences are going to come for us, what's going to create a discomfort for us. And the same with other people. We might be trying to do something totally nice for somebody and it get taken totally wrong because they're meeting a discomfort for whatever's going on in their life. Hmm. Andrew, I want to, I, so watching you blow the balloon up, it made me, it made me think. So I, I know when sometimes I blow balloons up, there reaches a point in the filling up of the balloon where I start to worry, oh my gosh, maybe the balloon's at capacity and it's going to pop in my face. And inevitably the balloon is able to handle a lot more than I'm actually putting into it. It's my own worry. 
And I'm wondering now how many of us, like the example you just gave with the, with the bladder, how many of us feel that I'm stressed and we think I'm at capacity. I have to run to the bathroom, nice. right? Versus looking at where we are in the process and realizing that we're actually capable of expanding exponentially more than we really are. And we just, the reason stress becomes so, such a powerful, uh, powerful presence in our life is because we're not, we're reacting to the expansion as opposed to embracing that there's still growth possibility beyond that. That is fantastic insight. Um, and this, is, this wasn't even rehearsed, but the insight that you just shared is, is spot on. And what that is, is anxiety. When mm-hmm. we start fearing about the balloons going to burst, that is our anxiety. We can't take it anymore. We can't take it anymore. Or we use the term stressed out, right? Like we're going to be removed from the situation. The anxiety is born because of three things. You lack a target. You lack hope. Um, and the third one is you do not have a system for removing the stresses in your life. Your brain is meeting the discomfort. So removing the actual discomforts itself, your brain's giving you the energy that you need to take care of it. But your brain starts to freak out. Like I keep giving them energy. I keep giving them energy. I keep giving them energy, but the discomforts still keep coming in. They're not being removed. So if you don't have a system to remove those those discomforts from your life, then your brain is freaking out. And that's where anxiety is born, not having a target, um, not having hope and not having a system in place removing it. You're worried about the balloon popping. This is so incredibly fascinating, Andrew, and I'm loving this conversation. So I'm wondering then, somebody who's listening to this, watching this right now, they're saying, oh my gosh, that's me. I can so relate to this. I'm the green balloon or I'm the balloon blower, whatever, whatever they're coming away with this. And they're feeling some stress right now. So we know with the balloon, we can allow air out or we can allow, relax into it and realize that the balloon expanding is just it, that it's naturally expanding. There's still lots more capacity. Somebody who's listening, watching right now, and they are feeling stress. What is something they can do to shift some of that energy to release and get away from some of that discomfort that they're feeling. So, so the mindset would be one mindset is one of the greatest things you can do is the way that you acknowledge your stress, um, the way you're processing it, the assignment of meaning that you're having for these discomforts that are in your life. Some people are so optimistic. They discomforts come in for them and they do not turn into stress because somehow in their brain, they are manipulating these things. Well, it's going to make me stronger. They're attaching these bigger assignments and meetings are attaching these challenges for themselves, which they ultimately enjoy because they've been doing it for so long in our society. The way we're taught is addition is our solution to discomfort. Addition is our solution to stress. So say if, if I feel I, before I quit smoking, I would um, feel anxiety, like come on real heavy and I would go outside and smoke a cigarette. Eventually I would realize that, wow, if I feel anxiety and I go smoke a cigarette, I'm rewarding a bad feeling. What's the odds my brain is going to hand me over that bad feeling again? So I'm actually becoming addicted to the discomforts that are in my life. So addition is not our friend. So the, we can go get the CBD oil or drink the tea before or we can get the different. There's so many different things we can add to our life that says it can remove stress. But ultimately what we should be doing to remove stress 
is I don't believe stress is an addition problem. I don't believe discomfort is an addition problem. Rarely is it. It's most likely a, dis, uh, a, a, a subtraction problem. Mm. So if we can start looking at all the little discomforts that we have in our life, maybe the big ones say, you know, mom getting diagnosed with cancer. That is taking up a great amount in the, in the balloon. You know, the pressure that's in that balloon, the, the air that's in that balloon causing that pressure. So it takes up a good amount of space. However, there's other things that are taking up space that you can work on. Maybe your shoes don't fit right and they keep causing you blisters. You can get new shoes or you can put Band-Aids on before you go to work. Maybe your belt's digging in because you gained a whole bunch of weight. Now there's minors and majors. So the major here would be you're 75 pounds overweight, but the minor here is your belt's too tight. So you can actually address that discomfort right away by going to get bigger pants and a bigger belt. But meantime, working on the major discomforts. So you have these majors and minors. If you just attack and just let a little bit of air out of your balloon, that noise there was a the balloon. Uh, so you just let a little air out, a little air out, a little air out, and eventually you have so much more capacity, tolerance. You have capacity, tolerance. So when you have more airspace in your balloon, you have more tolerance. I want to address this reward system, Andrew, because I, I think there's, there's a foundational piece of what you said that is in large part one of the reasons that here in the United States, obesity, heart disease is one of the biggest pandemics in history, that we have more, one in two adults will be on some sort of antidepressant at some point in their life, that the stress and anxiety antidepressant industry is a multi hundred billion dollar a year industry. So I want to talk about the rewards because we have become that. We are a culture of rewards. I, I feel so stressed. I need to smoke. I feel so sad. I need a drink. I feel so lonely. I need to go watch Netflix, right? And we sometimes don't categorically put Netflix in the same area as we would a CBD or a, a the CBD thing drives me crazy because I see all over the place. Oh, natural cure for this or that. And I'm just like, the natural cure is to work through it yourself to subtract, not to go and take in more. So why, how do we begin to address that? If that, because that reward system becomes so strong, right? It's a stimulus response. And, And when we use stress, which it could be the stimulus, we know that the reward is going to be getting to go have alcohol, smoke, caffeine, whatever that is. Human beings are hardwired for avoiding pain and gaining pleasure, right? And so we have this pleasure response that is saying pleasure, drinking, pleasure, CBD, pleasure, whatever that is. How do we begin to short circuit or you, you fill in with the word that works for you, the phrasing works for you so that we can start to associate up to that bigger reward down the road for the, for the guy who's 75 pounds over the weight. And he's going to have all that effort at first to start losing the weight. Yeah. How can we help him get involved with the bigger goal so that there's a reward system for that? All right. So you said effort there and that, that's a great word. Effort is discomfort's kryptonite. Hmm. Effort is discomfort, discomfort's kryptonite. So we're going to put in a little bit of effort and we're going to start to remove these discomforts from our life. It's important that we start small when we're, when we're far off the bandwagon. 
So say if you are a smoker and, and people get very offended when I attack their vices and I'm not attacking their vices. I, what I'm, what I'm, what I'm attacking is not your vice is the behavior you have around that vice. The, 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 the behavior that we have leading up to it, we are rewarding very bad feelings. We find reasons to get angry just so we can do whatever it is that we're trying to. So we, it's very important that we are acknowledging that. And I'm, in the beginning of somebody that's trying to quit a uh, vice or quit rewarding the vice. So if, if you do feel the anger, if you do feel the anxiety, don't go and smoke right away. Wait 15 or 20 minutes. Or say, if you need to shorten that window, I, need, I only have a window right now. Force yourself to do something else hard so you can be rewarded for what you did that's good, not what you were rewarded for something that was bad. Don't be rewarded for something bad. Don't be rewarded. Don't reward yourself for feeling sad. Don't reward yourself for, for losing your temper with your boss. Go outside, do 15 push-ups, run around the block, whatever it is, put something in between you and the bad feeling and the reward. Mm. I love Even though, no matter how small. I love you phrased it that way because it's, it's don't reward the bad behavior, but what we'll usually tell ourselves is that not that it's a bad behavior. It's that I need to do this to feel better. So we, we look at it as like this self-care, self-medication thing, which is supposed to be this good thing. But really what we're doing is we are engaging in bad behavior that's going to cause more harm and be more problematic short and long term. Yes. And talk to us about sudden comfort. Okay, so sudden comfort is, this is how, I went through a life change, I quit smoking, I quit drinking, I quit chewing my nails, I was tested heavily. Two weeks after I quit smoking cigarettes, the ice storms came, and I was without power for 11 days, and this is in February 2014, 11 days without power in winter. I was tested, but I quit. Every vice I had, I lost 76 pounds over the next year. I quit playing TV, I quit watching TV, quit playing video games, I quit drinking caffeine. And I, I did all these things on the back of figuring out that if you look at anybody that's happy in life, they are comfortable. These are usually the most comfortable people. You look at people that go, with the exception of some, you look at people at the high rise on, on executive levels in, in the working industry, or if you look at people that are, are ultimate wealth and rich people, or you look at the people that are happiest in their family. These are comfortable people. They have high amounts of tolerance. I, it's not like their world is void of discomfort. It's not like their life is void of stress. Everyone has stress. They just have a different way of processing and managing it. So what sudden comfort was, is I realized as I was removing the discomfort from my life, all of a sudden I felt ecstasy. I was so excited, even on a bad day. I was having an awful day one time and I was actually, so I'll tell you the story, I'll try to shorten it. I work for a railroad and I operate a drawbridge. The drawbridge, it was so hot in, in August, 100 degrees. The drawbridge was so hot, it, it, it was metal, so it expanded. It was five inches too big to fit back in a hole. So I had to go out there with these heavy jacks and I had to jack it all back. And I'm in really bad pain at the time. I didn't even know it, but I had a broken neck. Um, I got two titanium plates and a ball bearing in it now. But at that time, I had a broken neck, didn't even know it. I was just in really bad pain. I have train crew. I have trains coming at me. I have train crews calling me. I have my bosses, bosses, and everybody calling. As I'm trying to jack this thing back with these heavy jacks, 
the, the rain starts coming down, soaks me to the bone and I'm out there fighting and everybody's calling me on my cell phone, on the radio, on the work phone. It is insane what is going on. And it's just so much pressure. I, I eventually get back up to the, to the, I get the bridge put down and I, I, get, I start letting the trains go and my, the phones will not stop ringing. I'm like, I'm trying to do everything I can, trying to do everything I can. I finally get the train, the, 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 um, the trains by, I go out there, back out there to get my tools and the rain starts again. It had let up just enough, but the sun came out just to heat me back up. So I've been wet now dryish, and now soaked again as I'm putting the, the tools away and I'm, I'm standing off onto a platform, walking onto a platform and I see the sun shining through this one little spot in, in the clouds and it's, it's just beautiful. In my head, unrehearsed, I said, this has been the best day of my life. And that's when I started, like, what was that? What was that? How did I just feel so amazing during something so awful? Hmm. That's sudden comfort. And the reason why I call it sudden comfort is that's the moment that comfort showed up. Because discomfort, or, or what comfort is, what is comfort? Comfort can be different for anybody. My two-year-old, my, well, my three-year-old, comfort to him is a little teddy bear in a blanket. To my wife, it might be a room full of her family. To my millionaire friend, it's no less than 10 million in the bank. That's what comfort is to all these people. You can give it away, you can console somebody. So what is comfort at the end of the day? Comfort is nothing more than a lack of discomfort. If you want comfort in your life, remove the discomforts and comfort will show up. That moment I call sudden comfort. It's called, it's relief. It's the moment relief showed up. So if say, I'm gonna take them a little bit further. Mm -hmm. Say if you really, really have to pee and you're heading home from work, but you're stuck in traffic, you finally get home. You really, really, really gotta go. You, you fumble around trying to get the key in. You can barely get the door open. You're rushing in, you're rushing in. The moment you finally start peeing, you say, ah, the moment you start peeing. That is the moment that comfort showed up. That is the moment of relief. So if you're looking at your bladder as being the balloon, removing the discomfort from your life, if you're in the darkest place of your life, don't be shocked that three days from now, you're like, oh my God, this is getting so good. If you will only concentrate on removing some of these little discomforts from your life. I love that. And it, it, the image it is, it comes to mind is it's, it's so much of us where we struggle because it's an all or nothing versus making it about let a little bit of air out of the balloon at a time. If you do a little bit of air at once and a little bit again, and a little bit again, a little bit again, a little bit again, it eventually will be emptied out of the air or the pressure. And it's, it's where we, I see people get stuck over and over again is they, they rush from zero to 5,000 as fast as possible. Mm -hmm. And they realize that at that point, they only have the capacity to reach 4,080 and they feel like a failure. And then it resets them back as a fed, instead of focusing on going from zero to 10, 10 to 20, and so on and so forth like that. And it is, it's that adage, consistency over time will always produce results. Yeah. And that works both ways, whereas consistency with good or bad behaviors you know, an alcoholic doesn't wake up one day and just become an alcoholic. They're consistently drinking a smoker, consistently uh, somebody who's overweight, consistently eating. When you were 76 pounds heavier, I'm betting that you were consistently eating certain things to produce that end result called I'm 76 pounds overweight, right? And it's not 
76 pounds. It wasn't, I just lost 76 pounds a week. It was over the next year, I lost 76 pounds. I was consistently letting some air out of the balloon. Yeah. Right. I love that, man. That's awesome. 5%. And, and 5%. We're, uh, we're coming up on our time. So before I ask you my final question, where can people find and connect with you online? So if you look me up uh, on my website, it's Stress Relief HQ, stressreliefhq.com. And you can also find me on LinkedIn. I have a LinkedIn group, Stress Relief HQ, and also a uh, Facebook group, uh, Stress Relief HQ as well. Andrew, before we started recording today, you and I got into an interesting discussion on grief. And I think it's might be appropriate to mention now because at the time of this recording, February 16th, 2021, so many of us have experienced grief in such a massive way this past year. And we were talking about there's a distinction between the actual emotion of grief, that experience, and then what will what evolves from that as it starts to persist months and years down the road. And I'll let you go ahead and if you don't mind sharing what you've shared with me and what we can do just to be mindful and aware of that for those of us who are experiencing some grief right now. Yeah, and I'm, I'm empathetic. I, I love people and, and my heart hurts for other people. So I, I don't want it to come off as I'm, I'm being brash or making fun of anybody in any way for, for having grief or pain or experiencing pain because that's not what I'm saying. What I'm, what I'm getting at is long-term grief what it happens is it evolves into us rewarding those bad feelings again. If we, we eventually start to, to try to drown the pain and what we're actually doing by trying to drown the pain is we're rewarding the pain. So we're not trying to drown the pain oftentimes by, you know, challenging ourselves to become a, an Olympic runner we're, because that's effort. A lot of the times what we're drowning the pain is an effortless rewards. And effortless rewards don't feel good. They don't last. So when we hold on and we can't heal from the grief, it's oftentimes because we're rewarding the grief. And I just want to attest to that too, because I've experienced that firsthand where I remember the first you know, broken heart I ever went through. And I had a friend who was always there for me. No matter what time, every day would check on me, talk, call, everything. And the more upset and sad I was, the more she was a presence and a force of nurturing and, and, and trying to care. And what I started to realize after a point was this, the quality of our interactions was solely based off of my level of grief I was expressing. The more sad, the more depressed I was, the more, you know, for lack of better words, meaningful or connected our interaction would seem, it seemed like we were more present. She seemed like she would really shine in that nurturing role. But then on days where I felt okay, there wasn't really much to talk about. It was kind of carrying on and it wasn't a lot of substance to it. And I started to become aware of not just that observe, observation, but the observ observation with her and other dynamics too, is that there was this piece happening where I was, I would start to feel sad when she was around because I wanted the comfort. And she would almost not hope because it wasn't a malicious thing, but she would rise to the occasion when I was sad because it gave her some sort of greater sense of purpose. Now she could comfort, now she could care for. And 
I so appreciate you acknowledging that because it's a tricky space to enter because we never want to be unsensitive to what people have gone through. And that's not to say that at all. What it is, it's, it's an invitation to look at humans are always going to be seeking out ways to meet their needs. And when we're grieving because we've, especially if we've lost a loved one, and when we physically have lost a loved one, we have a belief that there's this absence of love. When we have that void, it makes sense that we're going to try to fill it. Right? The yeah. balloon starts to empty of air. We want to try to fill it back up so the balloon is full. And one of the surest ways to fill a perceived absence of love is to go and seek and acquire love and connection with others. Most of us will relax some of the emotional constraints we create in our lives when it comes to issues of death, dying, grief, because we have that innate empathy and will often show a greater level of caring and compassion than we may not show otherwise. Yeah. Andrew Men, this was such a treat. I hope everybody rewatches and re-listens because Andrew walked us through and shared us through literally a gold mine of information around stress, around anxiety, and about understanding how to deal with it. Remember, next time you see a balloon, you'll probably never look at a balloon the same way. Remember that it's about comfort and discomfort, right? Break it down to the simplest thing. It's about comfort and discomfort. So many of us try to deal with stress and anxiety by addition. And Andrew was saying, it's really not an addition problem. It's a subtraction problem. It's about removing. It's about getting away, getting away from those things that you're using to reward those behaviors. Any of us who are struggling with stress and anxiety, we can examine a day in our life and we'll probably find that we've set up a very strategically disguised reward system. It may not seem like that, but we'll find that where stress is on the other end of that is some sort of reward. It might be food, it might be communal, it might be smoking, it might be coffee, it might be being able to drive faster, listen to certain kinds of music. But inevitably we'll find a reward system. And if you're truly aspiring to eliminate some of the stress in your life, start to look at how you can subtract, what you can remove from. Remember, the kryptonite is discomfort. The kryptonite is that. And if we can look at, you know, even Superman was ever to be taken down by kryptonite and stress too, as much as it seems like it might be insurmountable and undefeatable in our life, it too has a kryptonite. Andrew, this has been such a gift, man. Thank you so much for sharing with us today. Dude, absolutely incredible. I appreciate you. I appreciate you too, man. Absolutely. We'll see you next time, everyone, on another edition of A Handful of Hope. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening. If you're finding value in these conversations, please rate and review on Apple, Google, Stitcher, or wherever your favorite place is to listen to